Waiting on the lyrics. I gotta look them up. It's it's only like four words and I don't know it. Rise up, dead man, let the gunshots ring. Rise up, dead man, let the gunshots ring. Shadows calling, let the, the gunshots ring. <laughs> Fought for devil, let the gunshots ring. And that's what this song is. Black like. trains come in. Let the gunshots <laughs> ring. Rise up, dead man. Let the gunshots ring. Hills they have in. Let the gunshots ring. That's among us. Let the gunshots ring. Connet shadows, let the gunshots ring. Rise up, dead man, let the gunshots ring. Let the gunshots ring. Alright, so that's, the there's the song, um, Skinny Rick. It does not have the opening normal intro song in his ears right now so it's gonna be interesting to see what this ends up sounding like i'm really <clears throat> if it gets flagged it just means that i can sing really good yeah. that's all it means so that was wait so what is that that's the uh is it an actual song it's an actual game? song it's called uh rise up dead man by the uh port sulfur band and that's in hunt showdown <laughs> correct so Skinny Rick was talking about one, which to make is a video. probably my new favorite game. Yeah, like a music video style thing. So um, we got a quick episode for you today. Um, yesterday we did the Valentine's Day episode, and uh, it was a lot of work, and we lost a lot of the audio and stuff like that, which makes me sad because it was really good. But we released what we had, and we got to keep it moving. You know, so is there anything that we want to talk about before we get into what I wanted to talk about today? No, Do you I mean, want to tell the story about us going to the steel company? Dude, I, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, we can tell that. Yeah, I was really not story, into dude. it. All right. So we're building this table here at this church. Um, and, you know tables need legs so we get sent to go get the metal well first of all someone send someone who's building the legs asks excuse me asks my papa to get the legs and he sends us to get the legs so we're second hand getting sent to get the legs yeah. and uh we have to get them in these certain sizes and this certain material like lengthwise and also the metal has to be a certain like width so it's already a lot of details that i don't want to keep up with and neither the length or the width are small either 
everything's large and we have a Tahoe. And so we get to this place, to the metal store, and turns out it's definitely not a store. Yeah. It's for sure an office because we walk in and there's desks everywhere. The people are like, oh, can we help you? We're like, yeah, we're here to get some metal. They're like, are you guys here to stock the vending machines? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, we're like, yeah, we're getting some metal since the only thing you sell is metal. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, well, do you have an order placed? And I was like, I don't know. I'm getting secondhand sent to pick up this metal. So it turns out after they go through about, you know, maybe 25 orders, uh, that we're not in the list. So I'm like, okay, can I place an order to pick up right now? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we end up doing it, but they're like, yeah, we can't cut it because we're too busy. We could get it cut tomorrow, but we can't do it today. And so we're like, okay, well, we have a saw, sawzall. Can we cut it with that? And we're like, yeah, if you want to cut it yourself, you can cut it. So they give us this little piece of paper and tell us to go out to the warehouse. And when we get to the warehouse, oh boy, it was a world of OSHA violations. So there's like metal beams flying through the air. Excuse me. Above everybody's heads. Yeah, nobody's, nobody's wearing hard hats. They're all hard hats are all in a pile under a table in the corner. Uh, the dudes are like smoking and stuff and just like working out, working out in the warehouse. Um, and so we give them the thing, they give us the metal and then we're like, okay, so you guys can't cut this, right? And they're like, no, we're too busy. So we're like, okay, we're going to cut it with our sawzall. So we start to do it. And of course we've never used this sawzall before. So we don't know how to put it together. And then the guy's like, here, let me take it and do it for you passive aggressively. And so he does it, gives us the sawzall. We start cutting, we're cutting everything. It's going great. There's metal beams flying above our heads. Yep. You know, we we got the Tahoe in this warehouse, like deep in this warehouse. And you know, these boys are, they're too busy to, uh, they're too busy to help us because they're all working out and smoking while watching us cut this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the whole time they're just like, you know, nah, do it this way or do it that way, but not like helping just like, eh. yeah, like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like the whole, like you missed a spot. That's what it felt like. Yeah. So finally we got it after and- an hour of being yeah. in that warehouse cutting and we left. Shout out to Universal Steel, you know. Just straight up gonna name drop them. Yeah. Wow. Why not, dude? Um, yeah, so that happened this week and that's pretty much it, I think. It was super stressful. Yeah, it was and very I'll stressful. I'll never go back. Yeah. Ever. Never. So unless we have an order place that they have the time to cut. So <clears throat> Yeah, so we uh, we did that this week, and we got that Valentine's Day episode recorded. Um, and so I, th- I figured that what we could talk about today, um, since we don't have too much time, uh, I brought up a couple of episodes ago a documentary that I was watching, docuseries called The Pharmacist. Yeah. 
um, which you know takes place in New Orleans in like 2010, 2011, and uh, yeah, so it's a it's about a a guy who's a pharmacist. His son ends up getting shot and killed buying oxycontin, and so the the dad goes on a uh, what seems at first to be like a wild goose chase to try and find the uh, the the suspect or not the suspect but but you know the his son's mayor. killer yeah and so um, you know he he didn't have ton of, a ton of cooperation from the police and so this is in this is happening in the ninth ward which if you don't know what I'm talking about it's basically whenever you see uh, this area whenever Katrina happened that was just flooded and um, took years and years and years for them to clean up and stuff like that. That's a ninth ward. It was, you know, a rough part of town. And so, you know, he's trying to find this guy and they, you know, there's, they talk about these doctors that were writing prescriptions, um, which, you know, they're referred to as pill mills and they always, you know, have been, but what it is, is, is this just, uh, basically a doctor who is writing an, ex an excessive amount of, uh, prescriptions for like a narcotic and they're just filling you know they're filling the community with like these drugs by writing the prescription so um i figured that we would talk about that today okay. uh we would talk about some of that and just kind of the pharmaceutical industry a little bit you know it's it had a big effect on my life you know i spent a good chunk of 10 years addicted to pills and heroin and um, you know, so watching this documentary and seeing somebody kind of put something like that together for me was, uh, it was just really interesting to watch, you know, because even five, six years after that happened, uh, you know, those pills filled our community, you know, I got into them and a lot of that stuff was still happening. Doctors in Baton Rouge and New Orleans and People would even go to like Houston, Texas to get uh, doctor shop, you know, and just find hit three or four doctor's offices in the same day that would write in prescriptions and get them filled and then, you know, bring them back and sell them. And so, uh, yeah, so what I wanted to look at first is, uh, you know, Google Purdue Pharma and then also Google... Um, How do you spell this? P-E-R-D-U-E Pharma, P-H-A-R-M-A. And then also, um, also do the Sackler family in a different tab, S-A-C-K-L-E-R. Boom, boom. Okay, so, uh, Let's go to the per Purdue Pharma one first. So uh, Purdue Pharma is a uh, pharmaceutical industrial company that creates different drugs and stuff like that and sells them. And so uh, this is, they talk about this a lot in the documentary and you know they interview a few people that work for them and the distribution of Oxycontin and basically uh, the reps you know, they were basically told that it was a uh, it was a non-addictive treatment for 
you know, pain, basically. Okay. And so they were going around and selling it that way. And, you know, doctors and different hospitals and stuff like that were buying it. And they didn't know at the time, but, you know, these things were uh, extremely addictive. But the way that Purdue Pharma had uh, directed these different representatives to sell this stuff was kind of, you know, ruthless, like no matter like sell these things, no matter what type deal and, uh, you know, bury as much evidence of it being addictive or of it having any adverse side effects, like, you know, bury that stuff at all costs. So, um, the Sackler family, if you want to go over to, uh, the other tab that I had you look up. So this is the family that uh, started and um, founded Purdue Pharma. So they are, um, from what I understand, kind of in a weird spot right now where uh, people have, it's pretty clear that they are caused this opiate epidemic that's hitting our nation right now. So um, at one point, probably in, 20 or 2000 i would say either 2008 9 or 10 uh they stopped making oxycontin pills where you were able to crush them down and snort them or shoot them they made them to where they would gel up and so you wouldn't be able to get it into a syringe and if you snorted it it would just turn into gel in your nose um you know of course like people found ways around that stuff but uh, once that kind of happened, jello shots, uh, it was nasty. Trust me. So, um, you, you know, you could, you could still do it, but it was some hardcore MacGyverin and you would waste a ton of the pill. Um, but yeah, so at one point the gig was kind of up and so they quit making them to where you could do that stuff. And at that point it kind of became known that these people were peddling these, you know, drugs like they were. Huh. So, um, yeah, scroll down a little bit. So click that one, uh, the Guardian one underneath the row of, uh, what's my call it? So we're gonna read this. Um, this article is titled, Meet the Sacklers, the family feuding over the blame for the opioid crisis. Stop right there. So uh, it says philanthropic heirs, <clears throat> philanthropic heirs to Oxycontin fortune have a moral duty to help make this right, says the widow of one of per per Purdue Pharma's founders. U.S. drug companies accused of being true. Uh, the Sackler Drug Rehab Facility, unlike its prestigious Sackler Art Galleries of New York and London, does not exist yet. If lawyers have their way, however, or public opinion pricks a few con con consciences, it may soon. The Sackler, Sackler family, a sprawling and now feuding transatlantic trans dynasty, is famous in cultural and academic circles for decades of generous philanthropy towards some of the world's leading institutions, from Yale University to the Guggenheim Museum in the U.S. and the Serpentine Gallery to the Royal Ac Academy in Britain. 
but wasn't but what's less known though increasingly being exposed is that much of their wealth comes from one product oxycontin the blockbuster prescription painkiller first launched in 1996. this pill is stronger than morphine and sparked the opioid crisis is now killing more than 100 people a day in america and has spawned millions of addicts it's also attracted a wave of lawsuits alleging ongoing deception about the safety of oxycontin which the company had previously admitted misbranding in a 2007 criminal case two branches of the family control purdue pharma which makes oxycontin which makes oxycontin but unlike their company none of the sacklers are personal personally being sued over it lawyers hope that might be that might be about to change however it's litigation engulfs the company and the effects <clears throat> sorry i'm feeling i need some water um, what some call philanthropy, others such as Stanford University ethics professor Rob Reek call reputation laundering. The Sacklers have not named, have not been named as defendants, but I know several of the firms working on these cases are doing a really deep dive to make that happen, working very hard to break through the corporate veil so they can name the owners. Mike Moore, the former Mississippi attorney general told the guardian. He's one of the key attorneys in the litigation brought by, by several states against Purdue and other pharmaceutical firms collectively named Big Pharma. And scroll down. Greed is the main thing. The market for Oxycontin should have been much, much smaller, but they wanted to give a $10 billion. They wanted to have a $10 billion drug and they didn't tell the truth about their product. So this goes through kind of the Sackler families, uh, you know, the people. So uh, you have the first son um, in the Sacklers. The grandparents are Isaac Sackler and Sophie Greenberg, Jewish immigrants who arrived in New York before the First World War. The first son, Arthur, died in 1987 at 73 before Oxycontin was invented and his heirs have not been benefited from its sale. His third wife, Dame Jillian Sackler, is active on the philanthropy philanthropy circuit. Um, so you have his children who, you know, it says right there, they did not uh, benefit from the sales of this drug. Um, then you have the second son, Mortimer Sackler, died 2010 at 93, former chief executive of Purdue Pharma. His third wife, Dame Teresa Sackler, is active on the philanthropy circuit. So, um, his seven ch children, which are, these are board members of Purdue Pharma. Yeah, so it looks like uh, three of his um, seven ch children are on the board at Purdue. And then you have the third son, Raymond, scroll down. Uh, he died in 2017 at 97, former chief executive of Purdue Pharma, his wife, Beverly Sackler was a board member until recently. So, uh, first off, these people all live to be the oldest people ever, if you noticed. 7,000 years old. Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't really have the time to break down this stuff like hardcore, hardcore, but uh, we'll keep reading a little bit and 
In 2007, Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty to federal felony charges that the company misled uh, regulators, doctors, and patients about OxyContin risk of addiction and abuse. Sackler family members were not charged. The family-owned Purdue, based in Connecticut and with an arm in the UK, called Mundi Pharma, developing other markets for opioids, denies its wrongdoing amid the current litigation. But there are signs that the giant court settlement may be around the corner between big pharma and city country and state city county and state authorities from across the u.s that are all suing mississippi lawyer mike moore is confident that there will be a deal to help pay for a catastrophe that the u.s centers for disease control and prevention estimate is costing the u.s seven billion dollars a year so 78 billion dollars a year so um one of the things that is you know, really interesting about this whole thing is that, you know, I was talking about earlier how they stopped making them that certain way to where you could, you know. So whenever I was using that stuff, um, more hardcore drugs like heroin, I had never even seen it or been offered it or anything like that. So once they made the big change, you know, heroin kind of hit the streets and it was, um, when they made it change back to, or when they changed it to like gel, yeah, heroin hit the streets. Yeah. Heroin hit the streets. And the problem with heroin. So this is the big, the big thing, the big kind of controversy, um, especially coming from that world was the fact that heroin just swept the streets right after that. Um, it almost, uh, felt like, it was safer with uh, just the Oxycontin epidemic the way that it was because if you bought an 80 milligram or a 30 milligram Oxycontin, you knew that you were getting 80 or 30 milligrams. Oh, so you could Oxycontin. buy you could buy a bag of heroin on the street corner one day and it barely gets you high at all, and the next day you buy it from the same guy, and so you're dead. Like homemade. Yep. It's all cut and stomped on and has different purity. And there's no way for regular people to test purity and, and all of that of, uh, of those drugs. And so, you know, shortly after that, you had the fentanyl situation. So let's Google uh, fentanyl, the history of fentanyl, uh, F-E-N-T-A-N-Y-L. Uh, say it again. F-E-N-T-A-N-Y-L. Uh, and do history after that. So um, lucky for me, I uh, you know got off that stuff uh, five or six years ago before fentanyl hit the streets hardcore. And you know this stuff is what is uh, is is what's really causing issues right now. So click uh, that DEA one, the second one. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that is 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine. Pharmaceutical fentanyl was developed for pain management treatment over cancer patients applied in a patch on the skin. Because of its powerful opioid properties, fentanyl is is also diverted for abuse. Fentanyl is added to heroin to increase potency or be disguised as highly potent heroin. So this stuff is so much stronger and and it's what's causing a lot of people to die like today and more because they're taking too much yep 
And mm. well, the problem is that it's even trace amounts of it, you know, can kill you. Um, I've heard a few stories of police that touched something that it had been on or touched a person that overdosed who, who was sweating and got high from uh, their sweat. And so um, I don't know the accuracy of those stories and, and yeah. you know, how that particular drug works, but, uh, you know, that's the word on the street with that stuff. So, um, yeah, it, uh, and, and the thing about fentanyl is I want to say is Google is fentanyl manufacturing banned in the U S so, you know, the reason that I want to look this up is because, um, you know, over the years, uh, I've done pretty much every drug that there is to do. And I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. I'm, I'm not, uh, sure, you know, if fentanyl, it is so today China has made it illegal to manufacture and sell fentanyl, but has not click it real quick. Wait, this one? Uh or do the keep going down. That one. This? Yeah. Keep scrolling down. All right, stop. So it says today China's made it illegal to manufacture and sell fentanyl, but not address fentanyl analogs, drugs closely related to fentanyl. That's right. So, um, you know, the manufacturing of it in the U.S. is banned and it also is in China. But the problem is the analogs aren't. So the stuff that it takes to make it isn't banned and other drugs that are very similar to it aren't banned. So the actual majority of that stuff that is here in the US is uh, coming from China, which should scare the crap out of everybody right now with the coronavirus situation. But back, uh, I'd say, you know, 2010, something like that, whenever that bath salt stuff was everywhere. Yeah. All that stuff was, was what they're talking about whenever they talk about these analogs. So it might be, um, a drug that's similar to to meth and does the same thing, uh, but it's has one chemical component that's off from it, so it's not technically meth. You know, it's not ever going to be seen by the market. Somebody had a mass amount of it and they would sell it. You know, as this bath salt stuff, you can go on the internet and order it. And uh, so that's you know sort of what we're looking at with this fentanyl situation and. Uh, yeah, I just found it to be um, pretty interesting, the history of that stuff. It does go back to some medical uses in the U.S. Uh, years and years ago, but, you know, for the most part, it's been banned. How? But, you know, they don't really have any restrictions on companies like Purdue Pharma testing and developing these drugs at all. So, you know, there was another... Uh, uh, you know, I saw something a few months back where they had supposedly made something that's 80 to 100 times stronger than fentanyl um, and were 
gonna you know send it through like fda stuff to try so and get approval 200 for times stronger than morphine yeah yeah so and morphine are two, 200 times stronger than oxycontin uh which is you know way stronger than than so morphine. like 300 Mor- morphine is not a long lasting uh high or yeah you know what i mean it's a pins and needly feeling that happens for like hardcore for about 30 seconds and then you know somewhere between like six and maybe 40 minutes afterwards i mean you'll be high like all day but the real like intensity of it goes away rather quickly compared to heroin or oxycontin or something like that Hmm. so um yeah you got anything you want to say about any of that stuff or any whatever don't do drugs kids yeah yeah so i mean what does this stuff look like you being a teenager i mean you're not in public school but no but i mean i i get people who offer me stuff a lot just out and just say no i don't know you know do you see uh or do you hear about at all uh how these drugs are affecting kids your age Mm. no like i don't know anyone who does anything crazy like that you know only people i've run into is just like marijuana which is nothing like this stuff yeah so i mean it's safer than alcohol yeah you know so Yeah, I mean, I don't even know anyone personally who has, like, died to this stuff either. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really have any experience with it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Well, a lot of people do, you know. And well, it said 100 people. 100 people a day. A day. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have – I've heard some stories that would, you know, blow – your mind you know about people in uh the northeast and bigger cities and you know the kind of stuff that drug dealers do um and the stuff also that uh users do you know whenever they find out just you know i've heard people say that uh you know they've they've seen on the news people overdosing and dying they knew the person they knew where they got their drugs from and they went, they would go straight to that place because that's where the good stuff is right now. Um, I've heard people say up there that like on all these uh, sets, like blocks and stuff where you just go drive down the street, somebody's on the corner, uh, that dealers will go out there real early in the morning, like four o'clock in the morning and just drop bags on the ground and so, and put a stamp on the bags so you could trace back and find who was selling it so addicts would be going out there early in the morning and Getting grabbing all these bags yeah and then they would go uh they would know where they could get it you know that's wild yeah it's like in the food court when they're giving out some free chicken samples yeah that's exactly what it is little sesame chicken bites everybody knows what they taste like already you know yeah. <laughs> everybody knows everybody knows exactly what it's about to taste like but yeah. they still grab it yeah 
So yeah, dude. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe at some point we can do a a deeper, drugs, longer oh. dive. No, we're not doing drugs. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not doing <laughs> drugs. You know. No, I mean it's a weird world. It is. You know, I was telling uh, Callie yesterday. You know, I was like, one of the up, one of the most upsetting things is that. It's like it. It just is your decision whether or not you stay on this stuff, and and that's it. That's all it is. And like, if I would have like, I could kick myself in the butt for because like, knowing now that like, all it took was like more motivation and more willpower, and like, like I stopped doing it on my own. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah, and that's the only time that it's like, it stuck. That it worked you know? instead of having people tell you to go. Yeah. Get clean. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, if you know anybody that's struggling with that stuff, you know, listeners or whoever, like it just with the, with the proper motivation, anybody can get off of it. You really can. I mean, that's it, you know? So I thought it would be fun to talk about, uh, that stuff just because i was in the middle of it you know yeah i see i follow you know the savannah police department on twitter and they just they post like whenever they do raids and stuff they post all the crap that they find there's some crazy stuff that i've most of it's like most of it's marijuana but like there's always lots of uh weapons and stuff yeah, I mean, look, I see those things too. And um, just so you know, and so that the listeners know, whenever you see somebody talking about like a 16, we caught, you know, we did like a huge bus, 16 people, you know, we got like a, I saw one one time, dude, that was like, yeah, we busted like eight people. They had like 12 pounds of weed, you know, leave it, leave it alone. 12 pounds of weed, like, a couple pounds of coke and like two ounces of heroin and they were talking about how it was like this huge drug bust and it's like dude you didn't even put a dent in any of that (laughs) stuff like two ounces of heroin is i mean two like if one person had two ounces of heroin it's a lot of heroin but like that's not it's it's not a lot of heroin at all (laughs) you know it's just not like you're not putting a dent in this like it's just here you yeah. know and it's here and like i hate to burst your bubble for the people that think that um you know government officials have the ability to stop this stuff from coming into the it started in the u.s yeah you know what i mean like it started in the u.s and it was so it was sold lied to about all out in the open government regulated pharmacies sold it first you know and so it just it's a it's it's an epidemic for a reason and and like as you know like donald trump doesn't have the ability to keep it from getting here it it you know he just doesn't i saw somebody that had posted that recently and it's like that donald trump was going to stop the drugs yeah it's like just him yeah. I and, just and, imagine and, him and listen, the, the sad thing about it is it, it so the person that posted it was a former addict. And I just wanted to be like, hey, like you 
grew up exactly where I grew. You know, like you, you did yeah. it. You're like, did you forget that it that, was everywhere? Yeah, like it really is. I mean, it really is everywhere. I've never gotten caught. I've gotten caught with it a couple times, but like I've but not like caught. Like caught. I have not gotten caught with it much, much, much more than I got. I've gotten yeah. caught with it. Like it doesn't take it. Somebody with a back in a with a backpack with four pounds of heroin, like like that could destroy your city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Two ounces, but like is not that much. But like four pounds, and you can put fit that in a backpack. And somebody like you, yeah, can throw it in the back of their car, drive the speed limit, make sure their tail lights and all that, all their tags are yeah. thing, and then it's there. <laughs> then it's where you're bringing you're it. Bringing and, it yeah. and now there's four pounds of heroin in your commu- it's community. It's not that difficult it's, to, yeah, so to get it places. The reason that I say that is to say that uh, it is an epidemic, um, but if you're on it, you can get off of it. You can, yeah. and, and it doesn't have to kill you. It just doesn't. Also, if you're sitting there doing it, like it's, you know, it's one of the most selfish things that you can do on the planet. And... Like it's gonna consume you, and it's all you're gonna think about, and it's all you're gonna do. And then you, I die. did it for almost ten years. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I didn't care about the stuff that I care about now. I didn't care about politics. I didn't care about my community or the world or yeah. what's happening or war or yeah. I didn't care about any of that stuff. All I cared about was getting high a hundred percent of the time. And like, yeah, it's it's just a waste of what a weird concept though what to like be obsessed with something that's so temporary dude it's isn't that i mean i it's just weird to me it's like i mean i totally get it yeah. in the sense of like like i understand how people would want that but also when you really think about it it's like i'm gonna spend all of my time effort and resources to get this feeling for this limited amount of yeah. time I mean, I I basically MK altered myself out of it. Like seriously, yeah. like I've I've convinced myself that, yeah, like it's disgusting and I, like it, you know, yeah. like I don't even consider it part of my like. I don't even know if I would know what to do anymore. Yeah, and so uh, like you with the right attitude and stuff, you can just get off of it though. Like you just can, and it's. You know, it just doesn't have to be a a, a big thing. But you think, yeah, I think you have to want being off of it more than wanting to be high. Yeah, like because like there because I definitely know like people who are like yeah like I really like hearing people talk about like ah, I would like I should stop, but also I don't want to. You know. Also, th- do this if you're using like heroin or something like that. Like, stop. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, seriously, St- stop for a while because if you're doing heroin, you have not, for sure. I know a hundred percent. You have not spent money on pot because it's money that you don't get to put towards heroin. Yeah. Stop it. Like, smoke pot, and and like, and then just like. I don't know. It, don't dude, do any time that I did it, any time that I did that, honestly, any time that I that I like couldn't get heroin or something like that, smoke pot, I was just like, oh, like this is this is just bet you know, better, like I'm more comfortable. I'm not like 
you know, and, <laughs> and like, I'm not kill you know, I'm yeah. not killing myself with it, but it just, I don't know. You don't have to do heroin, you know, and I'm just not, like go pick up some peanut M&Ms or something. And dude, snack. peanut butter M&Ms, dude. I love peanut butter M&Ms. So good. But yeah, um, so I guess this, that's it for this one. I just will kind of want to talk about drugs. Um, some drugs and you know, hunt showdown. And I'm not trying to be harsh whenever I'm saying like, there's nothing we can mm -hmm. do about it. Like as long as all of this stuff remains illegal, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that legalizing it is, is the solution, no, yeah. but I, you know, I think that decriminalizing it to an extent is like, I don't like that, especially for our prisons to be filled with addicts. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Criminals. Um, Dude, it is but, so easy to like to break the law. It's yeah. not hard. But as long and as. I, and I know that because we have had so many interactions with the cops where like people have like robbed us or like, you know, yeah. hit and runs and stuff. And it's like their response is, we're just too busy. It's like, yeah. well, we have video. Yeah. We did person. all the work for you. Like you have to like we know where they live. Yeah. Here's their address and their name. You just have to go to the house and they're like, "Oh, we, have to, we can't get to yeah. it today yeah. or ever." And it's like at, at that point, I mean, I don't know why you're not breaking the law like Yeah. It's easier than working a job, you know? Yeah. But I well, don't, I don't recommend it. I'm not endorsing it. Yeah. But, you know, just don't do it. It's, but as long easy. as it, as long as it stays the same way like it is right now, like there's going to continue to be crime surrounding yeah, it. Progress. There's going to but it yeah. is what it is. So It is what it is. Yeah. So thank y'all for watching. Uh this was episode 25 actually. Yeah. So this is we have passed technically the 6 month mark of cool. being in production and mm. we're uh mm. 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 We're doing it, dude. We're having a lot of fun, and you're about to go make some coffee, or get, or somebody tell you how good you are at making coffee, and then ba make coffee. Bum, bum. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I actually, yeah. I mean, I can't make espresso drinks because you have to. You're not allowed to touch the espresso machine until you've been trained by counterculture. Yeah. And they're based out of like North or South Carolina. So they only come down every so often. And I'm always either sick or out of town when they're here. So I haven't been trained yet. How do you get trained to be counterculture and then train other people? I don't know. You know Maybe I mean? me and Ethan will just go up to yeah. counterculture's place That'd and cool. get trained. They do yeah. like conferences, barista, like you show up and it's like, comic-con but for baristas yeah. <laughs> out there making a little bit of that baby yoda you know latte art yeah well dude it uh do i need to sing us out or oh my yeah, stomach speaking to me want. Go ahead, sing oh us. we should do social media first oh yeah so if you want to follow us on social media you can follow me on twitter mm -hmm. i'm at tbat quinn mm -hmm. and skinny rick I need you to start camera shot mm. and mine is tbat uh, at tbat tbat uh s-k-i-n-e-r-i-c-k mm. 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 rise
up, dead man. Let the music ring. Or no, gunshots, not music. Rise up, dead man. Let the gunshots ring. Shadows calling. Let the gunshots ring. Fought for devil. Let the gunshots ring. Yeah, that's it. That's all we're doing. All right. Okay, love you. Bye. See y'all next time.